Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about roleplayers. I'm Colin Lamoth. And I'm Jess Vetters. Every week we get together to talk about a range of gaming-related topics, from creating a character to running a game, and what it all means for people who share our favorite hobby. We may not be experts, but we do have pleasant voices and a wealth of gaming experience that we're eager to share with you. Our topic today is a spotlight on Minotaurs. But before we get into it, Jess... Colin... I have played my very first game of Dread. Yo, how did it go? Tell me everything! I will tell you everything because it was a short game we played during my bachelor party. A friend brought along both the Jenga Tower and the game itself. Um, We played a space game in which we were filling out our sheets and we made this really interesting, strange world about, like, ghosts, sort of, and giant extra planner centipede demons that uh, were defeated during the Vanishing Wars and, like, all of this crazy stuff. Oh, yes. So very cool. And then we started playing because a ship had shown up that had been vanished. Ooh, scary times. Um, The game was fairly short, uh, but that was because because of all in-character stuff. Um... Our, our DM, it was the first time that he had been running Dread, and he admitted that he probably shouldn't have allowed us to be military. Um, <clears throat> as we showed up with, It does kind of open up several options. We, we showed up with a bunch of weapons and things, showed up on the ship, and then, like, some things started to happen that were really bad, and we found out that our weapons weren't working as well, and I was like, well... We should probably retreat and get the rest of the military to come back and investigate this. And everyone's also Aww. like, that seems like a really good idea. We we might and could very easily die if we didn't do that. And I was like, that is very in character. But at the that end... That is a far too logical idea, though. <laughs> it was it a was logical idea. It's true. And he didn't manage to... He didn't manage to get our ship, like, removed from us. We would force us to go in and do things. Um, in the end, uh, a few of the players just wanted to play Jenga, and so um, they just started challenging each other on certain on certain items just to play Jenga. Oh, of course. <clears throat> and one player sacrificed himself, and it was it was still a really fun game. It, got, it gave me a chance to kind of see how the dynamics work within Dread um, and how... how how stressful it can be when somebody pulls out like the stupidest tile and a place that they're like this looked like a good move like what are you doing oh yes see i have only ever played that game with groups of people who were somehow very good at jenga and never have i ever had a player in my dread games who was like the ringer in the worst way. Everybody is like, oh yeah, I'm a structural engineer for the next four hours, and this is obviously the correct piece, and then the tower goes up and up and up and up, and it's so long <laughs> before anyone dies. <laughs> that that was pretty much how it was. It, it, it was not going that way for us. I could clearly see. We were we were within the first chapter, and I was like, we're, we're not going to all make it to chapter two. It's not going to happen. Now, see, that's a much better pace where, like, oh, yeah, first 
like the first hump in this road, we're going to have somebody go down. That's a much better feeling for a horror game. It is absolutely. Although it does it does it does play into question um if you have your dread game situated out into like three chapters, yeah. Um and you just happen to have some people who are real bad at playing Jenga. What would you do as a storyteller um, if you had a a player who beefed it and got removed from play? Do they just sit and watch for the next couple of hours? Well, the great thing about this particular game, in my opinion at least, is that even as an observer, it's still pretty interesting and can elicit that feeling of tension as you're like pulling from the tower now if you have somebody who is not so much into that uh, and you like just instinctively know they're going to be a bad observer i don't necessarily want to give that person like an extra chance because that's not really fair to the other players right but that's when i would say like am i hosting it at my house because i have a switch I'll just hand them that and be like, all right, if you're bored, just go nuts on my video games for a little while. Like, yeah, I mean, let us play. Unlike unlike a lot of other role-playing games, there's, like, a lot of opportunity for you to bring in a new character. There's a lot of opportunity for you to, like, do things, even when your character's not necessarily in the room and stuff like that. There's not as much focus on death being a constant mechanic as it could be in Dread, where, like, the point is that that tower's gonna fall at some point. <clears throat> And so it just, it created an interesting alternate dynamic that I was thinking about. I was like, what, that's, what do we do if somebody gets knocked out really early on? Like, what, what is the rest of the game for them? It, it left me thinking, like, <clears throat> if I was going to run a Dread game for myself, I might come up with something, I might come up with, like, um, <clears throat> and this could only really work in long-term groups that really knew each other, but I might come up with, like, an assistant storyteller role where, like, somebody who got out really early on could help me run the story along and make things real yeah. spooky, like, be in the background and be like, look up some, uh, look up some, like, horror ambient music that I need to have done for this thing, and, like, you can run this particular scene and stuff, so, like, really give them a chance to be engaged, um, and even though the their time, players are gone. You you can also give them ideas of like, hey, you should be you know so and so's conscience, or like, it's also a game that lends itself very well to the use of things like the voice in your head or the ghost that's following the party. Yeah, like there are there are characters that can be played. They're just generally people with a little less agency or reality. <laughs> And I think I think that that's a really interesting idea to kind of utilize within one's own projects because then we start to question what is the role of the player, what is the role of the DM, and how can we switch these roles around so people can feel more involved in the story process, especially if their character is like out for the count or something like that. You really create this dynamic within your group that um, everyone is bringing a certain creativity to the table regardless of the role that they're in that improves the game as a whole. Yeah. But speaking of improving our games as a whole, I believe we have a spotlight challenge and you are going to start us off in a real memorable way. 
The not-so-humble Minotaur stalks through a terrifying labyrinth carved from living stone. The flickering of torchlight glinting off a brass ring that hangs from his mighty nostrils. In his hand is a broad axe, dirty with the viscera of his last meal. He is hungry and angry, and you have intruded upon his territory. Perhaps... If you are not clever and careful, that will be the last thing you ever do. Minotaur originally referred to a specific person, the bull-headed son of Pasiphae and a white bull that was meant to be sacrificed to Poseidon. He was hidden away in a labyrinth built by Daedalus and his son Icarus, where he ate people for sustenance. He was eventually killed by Theseus. The Minotaur, in antiquity and myth, represented bestial brutality and the relationship the Greeks had to the people of Crete. In 20th century fantasy literature, Minotaurs became more of a class of creature that served as powerful guardians of misunderstood secrets. The modern Minotaur, in Dungeons and Dragons, is, according to the Monster Manual, a descendant of humans transformed by dark rituals. They are often found in dungeons of the labyrinthian variety and are hulking masses of powerful carnage. While not particularly intelligent, they have perfect recall of their surroundings and incredible strength. And although they were once the ritualistic spawn of Baphomet, they have become a true breeding race and exist independently. Hmm. Well done, buddy. Just thanks. Gave myself a whole little script there. That was. I fun. know. No, that was that was awesome. I think we have now set. I think we've now set the standard by which all of our spotlights will be done. They'll be done with a script. I'm gonna have to find somebody that I can mimic. Uh, Steve Irwin. Ooh. Oh. How's your Australian accent? I, you know, if I work on it, I'll bet it could be pretty good. I feel like that would also give it a very different feel if a I'm coming from the feel. like the David Attenborough style, and you're going Steve Irwin. I think depending on what monster we're talking about, it this, fits either way. You know what? I really like that idea. Let's let's go ahead and pin that one in. I'm gonna do some practice on it. Pin. All right. Cool. All right. So here we are on the spotlight challenge of the Minotaur and. I am going to guess that most people are familiar with what a Minotaur is. Um, if you are not familiar, uh, you can go and look it up. Uh, Google has a thousand different images based on it, more even. And um, really, you could also just think the um, Tauren from uh, World of Warcraft. That's also, you know, like not far off. Um, yeah, if somehow you're more familiar with World of Warcraft than you are with 2,000 years or so of uh, myth and antiquity, sure. <laughs> Which don't get me wrong, I know those people are out there. Yeah, let's 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 not alienate them. They they exist, buddy. I I'm just saying I have played maybe one hour of World of Warcraft in my life. I played a couple of hours. I was McCalladin the Paladin, a dwarf paladin, I hotkey drinking songs. That was my experience. That is actually pretty fantastic. I know. But Minotaurs. Yes. So why don't you tell me, do you remember the first time that you encountered a Minotaur in a game? Uh, I don't, because it hasn't actually happened yet. Oh, you've never encountered a Minotaur in the game? No, uh, mostly because 
the people that I play Dungeons and Dragons with, for the most part, um, especially since that's like where we tend to run into these sort of creatures, is like high fantasy games, tend to also sort of be classics nerds. And the idea of just like, oh yeah, we're going to use a Minotaur as just a random encounter is a little bit anathema. Um, that said, in the Eberron game that I'm playing, we are currently dealing with a city full of Medusae, mm. which is also had to wrap my head around that one of like, wait, you mean multiple Medusa? Medusa. Like Gorgons? But no. Medusa. Not Gorgons. Those are different. Medusae. 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 <laughs> Medusa's. Uh, but we haven't run into Minotaurs yet. Whew. Well then, then this spotlight challenge will be particularly interesting. So for the spotlight challenge, and I am now laying down the rules as though they were official a while ago, but the rules are between Jess and I, between the two, between the host and the guest, or the two hosts, as it may turn out, we both come up with a way to present uh, the Minotaur as a as a uh, as a big part of a campaign setting, either as themselves. Um, with a little bit of like extra bits thrown on or as something kind of alternate to how they're usually portrayed. Of course, all of these interpretations you're free to use for your own games. And if you do, please, please, please tell us about it. We'd be so interested to know. Um, we do have a Twitter account and an email address that are just sitting and waiting. To waiting. Be... Oh, I, I nearly said something that would have been awkward. Ooh. okay, good, good. Well, it would have been on theme, though, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Waiting to be impregnated with your messages. That that, that was real awkward. That was, like, that, on the nose a, awkward. That is a legitimate use of that word, though. I, I suppose it is, you weirdo. That's fine. All right. Moving right along. Um, so. As we do. The rules of the challenge for us is that we both have these these two interpretations of the Minotaur that we um, mm -hmm. that we posit and then discuss. And then you, as our listeners, are welcome to let us know who did it better so that the other one can rub the other's face in it. Because, you know, we're, I, we're competitive. I think you used one too many others there, but I'm with you on it. Uh, and I, I will say... In the research that I was doing for this, I did run across, like, a couple of fairly typical here's how to use a Minotaur suggestions. Mm. And it's it's the normal, like, oh, yeah, you have uh, your players run in and do a big old labyrinth, and there's a uh, there's a Minotaur in there stalking around, and if he catches, he's gonna eat you, and he's like a seventh-level monster, so make sure your players are, like, level five or six, somewhere around there, depending on how many people you got in the party. It'll be great. Uh, which basically ends up being, oh, no, we ran into the monster, but before we did, there's this whole cat and mouse, it's stalking us, and it knows where we are, but we don't know where we are thing, and then you kill it, and you find your way through the labyrinth, and you get the treasure. Right. Yay! Basic. Basic. Nothing wrong with basic, of course, but... Basic as a part of a larger whole, even if that larger whole continues to be basic... Mm -hmm. It's fine. Yeah, totally. Like, these stories work for a reason. They are persistent because they're interesting. But if you want to do something a little bit different, maybe make a Minotaur a player character. 
Mm, is that the is that the angle you're gonna go with? That's one of the angles, because minotaurs are really good canonically in their place. Like once they have buckled down and figured out, like, all right, this is my home. I know it like the back of my hand. They don't know a whole lot else. They're not particularly intelligent creatures as per the monster manual, which would make it very interesting to not only set one up as a player character because watching smart people play stupid is really fun, (laughs) but you kind of hamstring what your character is best at putting them out into the world at large. And I like seeing characters operate at a bit of a handicap. This one in particular would be like, you know, the the easy way, the typical way would be to make them their big bruiser barbarian type, uh, which would make it, I think, really fun to switch that up and create like still a very strong but probably more charisma based spellcaster. And I know I lean on warlock a lot when we're trying to do different fun things, but um, a Minotaur Warlock would actually be super neat, because you could literally have them just be, like, sure. beholden to Baphomet, ah. the progenitor of their species, according to the lore. And then it's like, alright, yeah, I got demon magic, hey, hey. and I'm trying to, like, save the world for the big old demon guy. For the big old demon guy. Yeah, you know, the world's getting overrun by angels and do-gooders, and I, I just gotta save it. I, or, you know what? Let's 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 pause that for let's let's hold on that thing for a minute. The world is being overrun by angels and do-gooders. I think there's a piece there. There's something interesting there. Uh, that is worth exploration. An evil campaign because the balance of too much justice and uh, and valor is actually poisoning the metaphysical like nature of the world. Have you ever thought about that? Here's what uh, that is that is a solid thought. Uh, I am still hesitant to play evil. Where I would take that would be a chaos campaign. Sure, sure. Where like the forces of whatever are opposing you are coming in and literally like ironing out the wrinkles of the world but it's the wrinkles that make things interesting the wrinkles that make things nice so that everything isn't you know completely consistent because you've got like the clockwork of lawful realm and you'd be like i don't know if we want everything to be automated like that right i i just think there's i think there is some solid game i think so too and uh, in that case, you could definitely make use of a Minotaur. It is in itself kind of a chaos, a combination of these two species, like human and like bull. So like it wouldn't, it's chaotic. Exactly. And, you know, there is the somewhat dangerous but definitely fun possibility in there of your character kind of just ending up coming across as sort of chaotic stupid, as it were. <laughs> But with the right party, especially if you're matched up with people who are allowed to play a little more intelligently or a little more tactically, and if they're 
trying to sort of prod you down the right path. If you can find the right party comp for that, not only would it be a very interesting story that you could craft, but it would still be mechanically very viable. Like, you're not going to send in Johnny Bullhead to solve the puzzles and romance the uh, bard or anything. Johnny uh, the bard would Bullhead. probably still go for it. Hey, you know I'm so good at names. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. That just hit me. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, totally doable. All right, so he here's here's a fresh take. I've got two takes that I want to throw at you, but like, here's this first fresh take. Let's take the actual fantasy the trope of the Minotaur. Let's talk about a Minotaur society for a minute. So if we're talking about a player character that came from like a Minotaur society, you get a chance, an opportunity to build a Minotaur's culture, uh, what yeah. their what their culture is like. So here's here's something that just comes to the top of my mind uh, when it comes, comes to a thought. Minotaur. Yeah, here comes a thought. Um, so we're talking about a tribe of Minotaurs that has been... Um, you know, been, them, been themselves, been their own tribe for centuries. They've got stories that they pass along of their great guardians and things like that. And because their their race, or rather like their culture is based around the concept of guarding things, they base their uh, renown and legends on those who have guarded legendary things and it's not necessarily that they succeeded or failed in that legendary guardianship it's what became of the things that they guarded the things that they guarded became important because they had a guardian so every young minotaur um coming up their right of their right of passage their right of passage is to find something worth guarding Worth, worth being the guardian of something dangerous, something beyond mm. them that they must that they must guard for a certain amount of time, uh, for good or for ill. Uh, whether it is eventually taken from them and they are bested if they are still alive or whatever, it doesn't matter. They still have to guard it, and then they can come back and they gain like their first mark and their renown and their prestige within their within like their Minotaur tribal culture, and they go on to guard even greater things, even greater wondrous things. And um, all right. Yeah, that sends my mind bouncing to three different places, and I'm gonna hit you with three different snippets. Shoot. First, Minotaurs versus dragons. Ooh. Second, Minotaurs have relics as religion. Yeah. As in the relic without the greater beliefs. And third, story nugget. I think this one's my favorite. Hero steals Minotaurs' guarded thing. Minotaur decides, okay, now I guard you, and just goes along with the hero. Yeah, perfect idea. Hero has a, hero has like a super powerful sword that is now bound to them. Minotaur's like, well, I can't take it from you without you dying, so I guess you're the thing that I must guard now. Uh, you begin this relationship with them. I want to go back real quick to the thing about dragons versus minotaurs. So, like, dragons also have hordes. Minotaurs guard hordes. Dragons create hordes. So, like, there's this idea of the nobility of guarding a thing but not possessing it. And then a dragon possessing it to guard it. So, like, yeah. there is an ideological difference, and you could cause, like, a lot of really interesting interplay with, like, a minotaur where they'd be like, you're just like a dragon, right? And they'd be like, I am insulted. I would never be called such a thing. I am not greedy like they. You know, like, you, you really have, like, the opportunity to, to build, like, such a rich 
uh, fantastical idea of these really strong cultural elements based around the myth. Um, so yeah, one of the characters in my Eberron game that I play uh, has made it a like uh, she's made it a very strong character trait that she is like enamored with any giant animal that she could ride. The top of that list being dragons, <laughs> and I'm just loving the internal idea that I'm having of being in a conversation between this tiny halfling who is all about like I want to ride a dragon. That's like my greatest goal in life. And this giant minotaur bully who's just like, why on earth would you want to interact with a dragon? They're the worst. <laughs> and just the interplay between those two, it makes my heart happy. Right? Right? That just sounds like a really cool scene. And like, what a what a pretty dynamic that would be. Like with the, the tiny and the super giant and like the gruff and the really excited and the ride the dragon and the can't stand them. Yeah. Those, well, I mean, like, yeah. players in fantasy games tend to be a little bit obsessed with dragons anyway, mm -hmm. especially since that's half the name of the game a lot of us play. Yeah, nah, that's fair. But, like, it's very easy to just have minotaurs be a random encounter, just billowing angry giants swinging giant mauls and goring you with their horns. But you could also do so many cool billowing? things... Billowing? Bellowing. I meant bellowing. <laughs> Minotaurs in sundresses. <laughs> That's my other idea. Minotaurs in sundresses. And and so it is. So, I, I think it creates a much more interesting exploration for your players to be like, yeah... They are monsters in the sense that they are obstacles for us to overcome. But like, if we we just went to understand their culture, maybe we'd get it. We instead of like having to fight this like powerful tribe of minotaurs that is guarding this that is guarding like this particular artifact. But, well, we're actually not here for that artifact. We're here for a different thing that's in this dungeon. If, as long as we don't take that thing that you're guarding, could we just maybe not fight? And, and possibly have that kind of an interaction where you can get past things without a bloody slaughter. Now, some people want to just kick down the door and do the murder, and that's totally fine. But me, personally, I love taking these monsters that are just entries and, like, a monster manual and, like, turning them into their own, like, rich heritage and, and seeing what the players do with that because my players at least tend to like glom onto it and be very interested in uh, in the more cultures that they can explore. And I think that's one of the fantastic things about the way that these games tend to be set up is like the Minotaur has one page in the monster manual. Mm -hmm. If you want to actually give a Minotaur society a backstory and motivations, none of that is prescribed for you. You're not breaking any rules by saying, like, all right, in my world, Minotaurs go the other way. They're like cow centaurs. <laughs> like, all right, you can you can do that. It'll be weird, but you It'll can absolutely so do that. So that weird. was my other other idea. I... <laughs> minotaurs are just basically cow centaurs. Why? Why are these your ideas? Because I I blew my whole load on the first good idea. 
The other idea I had based off of the idea of uh, off the idea of protection was actually taking the concept of Minotaur into cyberpunk, um, where okay, where uh, the where the Minos uh, were like these. There were these 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 people who merge with um, an antivirus or merge with a firewall and become the concept of minotaurs. They're both like within the cyber realm and within the physical realm. They are literally protective scions based around programming. Oh, dang, dude. Oh, dang, dude. Right? Oh. (laughs) Oh, that tickles me. Right, right. I thought you would like that. You know I'm a sucker for cyberpunk. I did, I did. I decided to play on your weakness. Oh. <laughs> I did, uh, mm, now I'm just imagining somebody who's like, just this withered husk of a person, but they're jacked into the system, and as long as they've got their life support going, like, in their system, they are just the most powerful, horrifying god being Right, because they're they're hooked into their they're hooked into their own firewall program that outfits their consciousness with the power to defend the thing that they're defending. <clears throat> oh, and that touches on the thought of like, where does the person begin and the program end? And it's yeah. just oh, themes, <laughs> themes. Right. Oh, I would love. Okay, so I'm glad that you really like that idea. If you get a chance to throw it in your game first, you're gonna have to tell oh, me how it goes. You gave me cyberpunk minotaurs, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run with that. Good, good. I want you to run with that. I want you to run with that, and then tell me what happens when you ran with that. I will. Uh, you know, I, I have just been sort of recruited into like a monthly one-shot story game meetup thing. Uh, so not this month because I definitely don't have time to find the right system. But next month. I will try and get that game going yes. and let you know how it goes. Because, oh, I'm excited. Like, that's that's a perfect one-shot right there. I think so. I've just got to find the system that's like, all right, where do we get either, like, Cyberpunk 20... What's what's the actual system? Is it 2027? Uh, the actually one the video game know. is based on? Because there's Shadowrun and there's Cyberpunk, and is it just called Cyberpunk? <clears throat> I, that seems that seems so broad. There's got to be something else. Time for some Google foo. While you're Google fooing, um, maybe you have, as a listener, have come across minotaurs in your game as well. Perhaps they've come as NPCs that you've interacted with, or just obstacles, beasts to be slain. Either way, we're interested in your experience with minotaurs, and if you've ever encountered a strange new interpretation of minotaurs. Um, if so, we'd love to hear about it. As with all of these spotlight challenges, the idea is, is that we get you familiar with the idea of what these beasts are, what they are within the lore that they've been presented, and then give you, as you've just listened to, a couple of different interpretations that we come with that we come up with either on the fly or have planned for it. Either way, it turns out really fun, and you can take any of these ideas and run with them. We only ask that if you do, you please, please, please tell us about it, um, because we we super want to know. Yeah, and on top of that, you don't have to like tell your players if they don't listen to the show, although if 
you do and your players don't, you should recommend us. Yes. Uh, but you don't have to tell your players that you heard it from us. Because, like, once you put it into your thing, I don't know, you probably changed something. It's mm-hmm. basically your idea. Exactly. But do tell us, because we just want to know. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, as storytellers, one of the greatest joys that we can have is to know that our stories or our interpretations have touched other stories and interpretations in that way that we have spread our ideas and inspired someone else to do something interesting with them. That is a singular and great joy, especially, I think, for um, DMs, since the nature of collaborative storytelling is presenting these obstacles and watching your players do things with these obstacles that you never imagined they might do with it, and the excitement that comes out of being like, I am not prepared for the amount of things that are going on, and that is exciting! Yeah, so let let my story touch your story, bro. It's gotta focus on the one thing. All right. Also, it was Cyberpunk 2020, mm. which is ridiculous because that's like a year and a half away. I know. Well, I, the future is weird. We're we're a year and a half away from Cyberpunk 2020, buddy. Cyberpunk times, they're upon us. Oh, it's so much more boring and stable than it could have been which is good i guess but also i don't know there's this super awesome piece of old art at like the children's museum i don't know if they have it up anymore but it was um someone's vision of the future in like in like 20 in like 2005 15 or like 2016 as like imagined in like the 1940s or something and there's like flying cars and weird spires and stuff and i'm like you know what i like that they dreamed that that would be the thing that would happen dude back to the future too which is like made in the 1980s takes place in 2015 they've got the flying skateboards and it's just like all sorts of craziness, man. It's it's so great that we live in an era where we can look back at other people's predictions at what the future would be like, where they were like, we are certain it's going to look like this, and be like, well, we're living here and we haven't seen it yet. By 1999, we will have a colony on the moon. We will be traveling to Mars, and Jupiter will be within our reach. <laughs> Why you'd want to go to Jupiter is beyond us, but it would be within hey, our reach. Man. There's there's maybe good mining on the moons and stuff. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe there's... Be a moon miner? Don't you want to be a moon miner? Only if there are minotaurs in the mines. I feel like a that would be incentive not to be a moon miner. Moon minotaur. <laughs> I, I feel like you'd regret encountering a minotaur on the moon while you're mining. That depends on if the Minotaur is in a spacesuit, because if so, that would be hilarious, and I want it. (laughs) Ah, splendid. So, if you do end up just running a game that includes uh, the Minotaur, Cyberpunk Minotaurs that we just mentioned, we will bring back the story for the rest of our listeners. And I certainly will. If our listeners wish wish to regale us with a story, how might they do that? Well, you can send us a long-form message or a short-form message or whatever kind of message you want to at our email address at dodecapodcast at gmail.com. Oh, yes. That is 
D-O-D-E-C-A podcast at gmail.com. But if you've got a shorter message, say something that you might want to fit into 280 characters, just plucking that number out of the top of my head. Just out of nowhere. Uh, you could also send that along to, uh, you know, you could send it to our Twitter account, which is not the same as our email, unfortunately. <laughs> that one's at podcast dodeca. Podcast dodeca. And, you know, if you want to see what else we're up to with the limited social media engagement that we actually keep up with, you can follow us on Tumblr and Instagram. Both of those are at Dodeca Podcast. You can also check our Facebook. Yes. (laughs) Also, Dodeca Podcast. Sometimes I forget that our Facebook is a thing. Yeah, well, I don't. It reminds me all the time. Oh, yeah, that's true. It probably actually sent me a notification today being like, hey, 50 people saw your thing. You can make 500 more see it. And, and, okay. All right. I'm going to talk about that right now. All right, Facebook. But again, thank you everybody for listening. From all of us here at Dodecahedron, thank you for listening. We look forward to seeing you on our next adventure.